Hi, welcome to our first 2022 episode of Insights and Indicators with Jason Thomas. Through Insights and Indicators, we at Carlisle aim to help you concisely understand the investment environment implications of global and local economic trends. Today, we're focused on the implications of digital transformation for 2022 and beyond. I'm Jonathan Blank in communications at Carlisle, but I'm just here to facilitate a conversation with our head of global research, Jason Thomas. The data referenced in this podcast episode is up to date as of January 11th, 2022. Jason, thanks for joining us on the heels of developing a research paper on five questions for 2022. Thank you. Jason, I believe it would be helpful for all of our listeners if we started by reading a quote from your recent paper that provides a metaphor for how the pandemic catalyzed views on how technological change can lead to business changes. In your paper, you say, by providing a sudden glimpse of a digitized virtual future, the pandemic was the rare event that allowed people to conceive of the transformational potential through new technology. It was as though the copper wire telephone network suddenly failed and people had to resort to cell phones. So technology advances occurred out of necessity in 2020 and 2021. Now, in 2022, what types of businesses will emerge as winners because of this forced technological revolution? Will the winners be technology companies? Or should we think about the potential winners of this revolution differently? Well, well thanks very much. I, I would say that what I'm trying to emphasize is that when people think about technological revolutions, just as the one we're going through right now, they really need to focus on who's adopting the technology and why. Because very often, no, no matter how great the technology, there are people who are making do without it. And it's not always immediately obvious why there is a benefit to, to embracing a new technology. And, and as you uh, captured in the, in the quote, the, the pandemic was something that everyone had to effectively lean in on digital technology. And they recognized that not only did it allow them to thrive during that real world business continuity test in March of 2020, but also allowed for uh, much faster growth wider margins uh, in the subsequent months and years. And so really the point here is that when you're living through a period of very rapid technological adoption, and we are, if you look at business spending in the United States, spending on data, digital, uh, and, and uh, related R&D software is actually up 16% at the same time that spending on all other forms of business investment has actually declined since the onset of the pandemic, uh, you, you have to then ask, well, why are the, is this adoption occurring so fast? And the answer is, again, management teams that see value in adopting that technology. And, and an example of this that we saw in the past uh, was really the, the 1995 to 2005 period. And so at that time, there was a revolution uh, in computing power, personal computers, uh, and, and then, of course, software. And, and this revolution uh, was embraced very fully by the retail and manufacturing sectors. And in those sectors, what you saw really starting in 1995 was this 30% growth in spending on 
warehouse management systems and the related technology. So that's things like barcodes, uh, remote barcode scanners, databases, inventory software systems, warehouse automation. And so all this, this massive amounts of spending was, of course, very good for the tech sector. Their revenue surged. But it actually turned out that the returns on that technology in, in retail and manufacturing exceeded the returns, cumulative returns earned uh, by the tech sector over that period of time. And much was really related to just the dramatic improvement in business fundamentals. You had a 57% increase in productivity as a result of, of that investment. And then also a substantial decline in inventory to sales ratios as the, the barcodes, the scanners, the databases, the software allowed for uh, a, a reduction in, in required inventories because people could more precisely measure what their customers were actually buying and, and then calibrate production or purchasing schedules accordingly. So I think that today, when we look at uh, who, who are the potential winners of digital transformation, it's a circumstance where people have to look beyond the tech sector and start to think about what sorts of businesses, uh, professional services, manufacturing, hospitality, are really leaning in and, and are the most aggressive adopters of technology and doing it in ways that are actually going to really get the most out of digital marketing, uh, digital engagement, data capture, data storage, data analytics, uh, cloud-based software applications. Because I think that when, when investors can perceive where the highest returns to those investments are, they're, they're also going to, of course, recognize who, who the ultimate winners of this transformation will be. That's really interesting. Jason, let's go back to your observation that in the 1990s, there were indicators of companies leaning into developing technology capabilities and some of these examples were the adoption of barcodes and databases. Are there indicators now in 2022 that you believe we should all follow that are corollaries to the ones from the 1990s to understand which industries and businesses are adapting through digital transformation? Well, I think when we think about 2022, the, f the first thing to note is really the um, acute worker shortages that are faced by so many businesses. And as we look at the last really 60 years of data, it's interesting to note a very tight correlation between worker shortages and the subsequent year's total factor productivity growth. And really the reason that relationship exists is because when businesses can't find workers, they tend to invest more in labor-saving technology to, to achieve the growth that they're looking to achieve, even when they can't find uh, that, that marginal hire. And so the first thing I would say is that perhaps we will see another leg of the digital spending that I referenced, up 16% since the onset of the pandemic, as more businesses turn to digital marketing, digital engagement, uh, in, in lieu of uh, hiring uh, you know, additional sales workers, for example. I think also uh, when you look at hospitality and retail uh, and, and restaurants, et cetera, you do see much greater use of 
digital technology QR codes? Will QR codes be like the barcodes of the 1990s in terms of facilitating uh, productivity gains and, and revenues uh, at, at these various businesses? To what extent can smartphones be more fully exploited in, in some of these sectors? And then yeah, I think on an ongoing basis, you have data capture, uh, data storage, data analytics, but, but also uh, the potential for the platforms, digital platforms that connect buyers and sellers uh, that allow for greater degree of collaboration. And also many of these uh, platforms have network effects such that the marginal improvement in the service rises non-linearly with each incremental user. And so I think that there's a lot of potential for disintermediation. Uh, if you survey CEOs entering 2022, they are 15 times more likely to cite as the key risk facing their business the techno technological revolution unleashed by the pandemic than they are the risk from the pandemic itself. So that, I think, really helps to contextualize that uh, in, in many business services, professional services, uh, that there is a sense that there's a potential uh, intermediaries, consultants, uh, broker-dealers, that they could be displaced by uh, many of these uh, sorts of platforms that, that can provide comparable services uh, in, in a way that you know, does not, is quite different from some of the, the traditional businesses and, and models. Ultimately, I, I think this is a phenomenon that will be concentrated in areas where there are worker shortages. Again, retail, um, hospitality, bars, restaurants, etc. Um, but but I think that there's also quite a bit of change ahead uh, when we think about business and, and professional services and, and some of the, the functions that can now be performed uh, by software and and then uh, also the, these uh, these networks. Now that we've explored how wide digital transformation could impact the investment environment. Let's turn our attention to valuations. In your paper, you said it's not the sector in which a firm operates that determines its equilibrium value, but the mechanics of its growth. With that in mind, how should we think about tech valuations as we go through 2022? Well, first, technology valuations, all growth valuations are under some pressure at the start of 2022 because of the expected rise in interest rates. So uh, the Fed is expected to be much more aggressive trying to contain inflation than I think most market participants expected two to three months ago. And for these growth valuations, the reason that they're under pressure from higher rates is that they're, they're generally long duration companies. That is to say that more of their total free cash flow is expected to arrive in the distant future. Many of these businesses lose money today, uh, are not expected to be profitable for for some time uh, into the future, sometimes out of outside of the relevant underwriting window. So when rates go up, that means the opportunity cost of losing money today goes up, which hurts the valuation. It means that higher interest rates also depress the terminal value of, of the, the, the business uh, on which their valuation depends. Because of course, the further into the future, the cash flow arrives, the more heavily discounted it is and, and most sensitive to rates. So th this is an issue and, and it, will, it will continue to be, but, but the, the bigger issue in technology valuations and from my perspective is actually trying to separate the substance 
of what makes the, some businesses so valuable uh, versus the form of, of what industry in which a company operates. And, and so the substance, the, what really makes some of these businesses so valuable is the potential for essentially scale-free growth, where you are able as a digital business to increase revenues without any incremental hiring, with, with very little to no incremental capex. These businesses are uh, just have the potential for exponential earnings growth and, and a path for that growth that makes them, uh, you know, an equilibrium basis just simply more valuable because they have a potential that simply doesn't exist for, for many businesses or, or that did exist in the industrial age. When you think about industrial age businesses, the only way that they could increase revenues is to build more factories, to buy more equipment, to hire more workers, to build out bigger distribution networks with truck or rail or, or, or what have you. And so the, the growth came with significant costs. And that meant uh, that there was not quite the same ability uh, to, to scale the earnings. And so what we see today, I think, is many businesses that actually have industrial era properties, which is to say that they cannot increase sales without incremental spending, but yet they're being treated as though they're, they're digital platforms with the potential for exponential or you know, nearly infinitely scalable growth uh, simply because they, they happen to, uh, to be called tech or green tech or medical tech. Uh, and, and I think that that is where um, you know, to the extent that there is a big correction here right now, again, there's just, I would characterize as market volatility uh, related to rates, but to the extent that there is really a significant pullback here, I think it's going to be those, those uh, businesses that are really have more of those industrial era per unit economics uh, that are carrying tech valuations that, that are going to experience the, the biggest declines. Well, Jason, I really want to thank you for your time today to take us all through the implications of digital transformation and the related indicators we should follow over the course of 2022. Thank you. And we'll be back for our next episode with Jason shortly with his outlook and perspective on China.